0: The reading today is from Hebrews 4, verses 14 to 16. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested As we are yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. This is the word of the Lord. If you say to somebody else, uh, I know what you're going through, it might well be received as a bit insensitive. Certainly it will if you hear someone else confide their pain in, in you, to you, or their failure to you, uh, and you say, I know what you're going through, and you launch into a story about you and something that's kind of similar, you know, maybe that, maybe that will be insensitive. To lean a little longer on listening might be better. But I don't think it's all there is to say. I think we actually do understand each other in pain. There's a time and there is a value to saying, I know what you mean. I understand what that is like. To share the sting of the same wounds is possible. It's not to erase what makes our experience or someone else's experience their own, but it is to concede that I am not so alone that no one else in the world shares this hurt. So support groups for things like incurable illnesses, chronic mental health conditions, addiction recovery, caring for others with significant needs all show us that it actually helps to share the same pain uh, rather than just experiencing common pain alone. They're shown to be incredibly effective, some of the most effective things for our challenges and hurts. But it can take time to to believe that. It can be at first unbelievable that others in their pain can help me because pain by its nature isolates us, makes us feel alone, pain and shame in particular can drive us away from others, can prevent us from believing the best about others and can prevent us from interpreting reality correctly. Our pain magnifies itself and and shrinks everything else and greys and blurs, and everything else becomes forgotten. I know what you're going through is what Jesus says to us. This passage says to us that Jesus understands our pain, our embarrassment, and our guilt, and that he is able to sympathize with us. But if we're reading this with even just one eye open, right, you, it feels a bit stupid to say, really. It seems a bit ridiculous. It seems like the writer, I'll just call the author of this letter Hebrews, seeing as we don't know his or her name, the writer Hebrews details things about Jesus which to us scream out to us that Jesus does not know what it's like to be me. That he is unlike us. What Hebrews appears to say here is that Jesus is actually very distant from us, that he does not know, that he cannot sympathize with what I am. To sympathize means to feel the same thing, or to co-suffer, or to feel with another. And how could Jesus do that? Here, he is named, described as the high priest, How can the high priest do that? How can Jesus, as tempted in every way but without sin, do this? Sympathise. Well, verse 14, uh, it'll help if you're following along. Verse 14 names Jesus as the high priest. And this is the introduction to quite a complicated idea in Hebrews that Jesus accomplishes a sacrificial offering for us. That makes us holy and forgiven. Yet everything that we would assume about the title high priest says to us that the high priest is not like us. You know, selecting the high priest in ancient Israel or in Jesus' time was like a massive game of guess who, right? So is the high priest from the tribe of Aaron? Yes. All right, there goes like 90% of the board just immediately eliminated, Is the high priest female? No, half of the remaining candidates gone. Are they over 30? Yes, some more go down. So by now we're dealing with like 1% of the people. The point is that they're quite a specific kind of person. Sacred. They're not like us. And that is how we feel about Jesus as a person. Because we say he is God. This is like the most important Christian idea. In the same way that people felt distanced from this holy person, the high priest, we just feel distanced from God. And that is right, God is not like us. It's important to Christian thinking that we acknowledge that God is not like us. But here is the scandal of the Christian religion. That God became a human being in Jesus. Jesus came to be high priest as a lowering of his exalted nature, to humble himself and become truly human. The point Hebrews makes about Jesus being this high priest is that he is like us. The very next paragraphs in Hebrews detail the ways in which the high priest was like his brothers and sisters chosen from the people who all need help, chosen for the sake of bringing near the people that God wants to be near to him. He is able to deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is subject to weakness, it says in chapter 5. Jesus was made weak to help us. He is really human like us. He was human in his life on earth and he is human now as he sits verse 14 in heaven at God's right hand he was human in experiencing family as they really are he was human in experiencing puberty as it really is he was human in experiencing social life and pressure and the costs of sickness and the joys of friendship he mediates between humanity a high priest able to sympathize not a far away some kind of far away god unable to sympathize a god close made mortal and weak able to sympathize jesus never forgets what it is like to be sick jesus never forgets what it is like to have someone in your family die he never forgets what it is like to be shunned, abandoned, or denied. Some of those things still happen to him. As high priest, Jesus was made like us because he was truly human. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 16 and 18, make sure that we know that Jesus really did uh, become human like his brothers and sisters in every respect so that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God To make a sacrifice of atonement for the sins of the people. Because he was tested by what he suffered, he is able to help those who are being tested. Now I'm aware that this is not enough. We can't can't really believe Jesus sympathises with us in our weakness. Because we know that some of this weakness that we possess is that we are sinners, sinful I am a sinner, and that is what Jesus is not. So can he sympathize? Yes. Jesus knows what it is like to face temptation and testing, and he knows it in a fuller extent than I do. As a sinner, I have let sin rule in my body. I have given way to its offer in my life. I have faced temptations of so many kinds and have always given in at some point. But Jesus has gone lengths in being tested and tempted that I have never been to. Further in that storm. Reaches of resilience I have never known. By saying no, only Jesus knows what the highest pressure the greatest power and strength of temptation actually is because he saw it through to its last moment. But does Jesus know what it's like to feel the consequence of sin? I am weak because I've given way to sin and the hurt I feel is the shame and suffering of sin, its consequence. Well, confidently we can say that Jesus does know this, in a few senses. Jesus knows the consequence of sin firstly in that because he has the omniscience, um, omniscience, omniscience, whatever, the all-knowing sovereignty of God. So he knows all of my feelings and emotions and thoughts, the motivations I hold that I do not know. And observing them, he knows what they are and how I feel about them and my experiences of bearing them. But God also knows this this feeling, this life of being a sinner, because he loves us. When we love someone, their hurts become ours, like a parent whose child has stolen from them in order to fuel their own selfish decisions the parent shares the hurt of that child because they love them. And in addition to this, God knows the consequences of sin because Jesus became a human being and suffered the consequences of sin upon the cross. So he has felt the consequences of sin in ways that I never will. The scripture even says that the father made him to be sin, who knew no sin. That Jesus is high priest shows us that Jesus can forgive our sins. That Jesus was tempted but sinless probably helps us to believe that Jesus can forgive our sins. But the author of Hebrews is making these points. He's not primarily saying that Jesus can forgive sins, that's not really the point. The point in this passage is more subtle and more lovely. The point is that Jesus wants to forgive our sins, wills to forgive our sins, longs to comfort us in pain, shame and sin. That's the point. That's what this author is trying to tell us. That Jesus wants to forgive us, to comfort us, to sympathise with our weakness, self-inflicted or otherwise. So let me share a personal story with you. Uh, There were many problems in my uh, various situations as I grew up as a child. My mother tried her best, but... She made some very costly mistakes. So as an adult, she reached out to me with an apology. She rang me on the phone. She started drawing some of this out, offering her sorries. But I said, no, Mum, this is cheap. There is a process for reconciliation. And if you want to do that, then we can sit down and do that. But we're not going to do this. So I said, if you come to Melbourne, we can sit down and we can have it out. And she did. She did. She came to Melbourne, we sat down on this bench and I said, reconciliation works like this. As the offended party, I tell you what you did wrong and you have to accept it. If you don't accept that that's what we're talking about, we can't move on. Now maybe I'll give way a little bit and come to understand something and maybe you'll give way a little bit, but we'll work out exactly what we're talking about that is estrangement where we name what has happened and caused a problem and then we can move to the second thing embrace where once we know exactly what we're talking about exactly what this apology is for then you can say I'm sorry and I can say I forgive you and it's done forever so I told her all this And then I tried to assure her. I said, mum, you can be sure of this because I'm a Christian. Jesus teaches us to pray, forgive us as we forgive those who've sinned against us. So I, I have to forgive. And I really thought this would give her confidence I thought this would assure her that I meant what I said when I said it could be dealt with, it could be done, forever, gone. But it didn't assure her. So we talked some more, and then I saw what was wrong. So I said, Mom, I, I want to forgive. It wasn't just that I was able to. It wasn't just that I had to. It was that I wanted to and immediately this relieved her. It assured her and we reconciled. It is not just that God has to forgive us because that's what the Bible says and he's bound by some promise that he kind of wishes he didn't make because you turned out to be much worse than he thought. It's not like that. It is that God wants to forgive us, wants to reconcile with us, wants us to have a peaceful relationship where the wrongs are dealt with and done and we might know him fully. God is not just able to help us, God desires to help us. I'll finish with this quote from... Uh, Dan Ortland's book, Gentle and Lowly. A compassionate doctor has travelled deep into the jungle to provide medical care to a primitive tribe afflicted with a contagious disease. He has had his medical equipment flown in, he has correctly diagnosed the problem, and the antibiotics are prepared and available. He is independently wealthy and has no need of any kind of financial compensation. But as he seeks to provide care, the afflicted refuse. They want to take care of themselves. They want to heal on their own terms. Finally, a few brave young people step forward to receive the care being freely provided. What does the doctor feel? Joy. His joy increases to the degree that the sick come to him for help and healing. It is the whole reason he came. How much more if the diseased are not strangers but his own family? So with us and so with Christ. He does not get flustered and frustrated when we come to him for fresh forgiveness for renewed pardon with distress and need and emptiness. That's the whole point. It's what he came to heal. He went down into the horror of death and plunged out through the other side in order to provide a limitless supply of mercy and grace to his people. Let's pray. We give you thanks, our great God, that you will to and you did provide us with mercy and that we have a high priest able to sympathize with our weaknesses. And so we pray always that we might have confidence to approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen.